Welcome to the Christ Fellowship Podcast. This is Derek. We are pumped that you're joining us today. Have you ever thought about God being a generational God? He's known as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. There's something about generations that God likes. And so today what I want to do is I want us to look at the scriptures and, and call us to a higher view of generations. That every generation is purposed by God for specific purposes that is handed on on each one. And so what would it look like for us to to see ourselves as part of God's generational family, to not despise the younger generation, but to pour into and to see them lifted up. Today, we're going to be baptizing, man, a bunch of students, and they're going to be giving testimonies as well. And I'm excited for what God is doing in the next generation. The future of the church is bright. So grab your Bible, grab some notes. Let's dig in. Y'all take your sides very seriously. Wow. Wow. Like there is some buzz up in the air around side dishes. Hey, it's a quick survey. Who, whose favorite side is green bean casserole? Anybody in the green bean casserole family? Wow. Two of you. Okay. Uh, mashed potatoes. Anybody mashed potatoes? Wow. Let's go. Uh, how about yams? Is that a thing anymore? I don't even know. Yams? Okay. Wow. Yams. I feel like that's a northern thing. How about, here's my favorite, uh, sweet potato casserole. Yes. Yes. Man, uh, great energy already this morning. My goodness, like, wow, so good. So good to have you guys with us this morning. If you're new here, if you've got, uh, we got some guests here, welcome. My name is Derek. I have the privilege and honor of being the lead pastor here. Today we're mixing things up, as Richie said. Uh, really going to celebrate what God's doing in our, our next generation. And uh, before we get there, though, I want to talk about generations a little bit because I think it's near and dear to God's heart. So at any time in history, there's seven generations that are on the earth. And so here's the seven generations that are currently on planet earth right now. So we got the greatest generation, 1901 to 1924 births. We've got the silent generation, 25 to 1945. We've got some of those in the room. We got the boomers. Come on, boomers, say hello, right? 1946 to 64, biggest probably generation. Um, Generation X, 1965 to 1980. Let's just shout out. Yeah, why not get excited today? Millennials, that's me. Let's go. How many millennials in the house today? A fun fact, I'm actually a geriatric millennial, actually. I am on the very end. I am giving wisdom to all those youngins. Okay, and Gen Z, 1970 or 19, yeah, 1997 to 2012. And then so many people don't realize this. Gen Alpha is actually on the earth. Yes, this little guy right here, one of the Jones boys is getting after it, right? And those are 2013 to 2025. So seven generations on the earth right now. Honestly, six or seven, maybe we might have the seventh. I don't know if we have the greatest generation represented in person today. But in our church family, we've got all seven generations actually part of this family. Isn't that incredible to think about? And, um, and what I, I've realized, especially as I get older, it's almost like as you get older, it's like you earn the right to talk negatively about negative or about younger generations. Anybody else like feel that? It's actually something that's been around as long as there's been generations on the earth. It's actually what it's called, researchers call it, are the kids these days bias. <laughs> the kids these days, man, they're so lazy. The kids these days, they don't know how hard it was to walk uphill both ways to school and back, right? <laughs> Kids, these days. What's interesting, though, is, is in the present, like a lot of times the kids these days, we're talking about the Gen Zers, the, we're talking about millennials. And, and the challenge, though, is, 
is when you were younger, guess what? Kids or the adults were saying kids these days when you were younger as well. Even the greatest generation that is named the greatest generation, when they were kids, they had adults saying kids these days. And so I did a little research and and I, I found some interesting things that were said about generations. So this first one is fourth century BC. Way back, right? Way back, way before the greatest generation, before Jesus was on the earth. So way, way back, this is what somebody said about kids. It says, young people, they're high-minded because they have not yet been humbled by life, nor have they experienced the force of circumstance. They think they know everything and are always quite sure about it. Before Jesus, they were saying this about the young generation. 1900 and 1920, fast forward uh, quite a bit here. Never has youth been exposed to such dangers of both perversion and arrest as in our own land and day. Increasing urban life with its temptations, prematurities, sedentary occupations, so interesting, and passive stimuli just when an active life is most needed. Early emancipation and a lessening sense of both duty and discipline. Early 1900s. 1920s, we defy anyone who goes about with his eyes open to deny that there is, as never before, an attitude on the part of young folk which is best described as grossly thoughtless, rude, and utterly selfish. 1920. 1930s, right? Probably there is no period in history in which young people have given such emphatic utterance to a tendency to reject which is, that which is old and to wish for that which is new. 1993, they're probably saying this about my generation. What really distinguishes this generation from those before it is that this is the first generation in American history to live so well and complain so bitterly about it. Generation to generation, there's this bias that is in us kids these days. So we look down at the younger generation, and we say, man, I I have this romantic view of when I was your age, like we were so much better. And we fail to remember who we were when we were in our teens in our early 20s, right? And this is pervasive. And and honestly, I don't think it's God's desire. I think God is a much bigger God than that, and he has a view of generations. So today, I want to call us higher. We're wrapping up this series next week, higher, where we've been challenging our minds, our, our ways to, to be on God's ways and, and be in God's ways and God's thoughts, that his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than us. So today I'm challenging all of us for us to raise our view of the next generation, that we don't just get in line with society and poo-poo and say these negative things, but we actually see them more and more like God does, because here's what I know about God. He is a generational God. That's why he introduces himself to to Moses in Exodus 3.15. He says, God said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, he has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all, what is it? Generations. So God says, this is who I am. I am that I am. This is who I am. I'm I'm the God of Abraham, one generation, Isaac, another generation, and Jacob, another generation. There's something about generation that God likes to associate with, and so I want to challenge us to, to think differently about not only the younger generation, but about your generation 
and maybe about the generations that came before, because what we really see in the scriptures is that humanity and the church flourish when each generation is represented, when each generation recognizes the value from one another, right? And I love how how the psalmist writes in Psalm 145, this this one-liner, it's a beautiful Psalm 145, but in verse four it says, from one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And so he's saying like, this is how God designed community. This is how he designed family is that, that there would be a people that are older. They would have experiences with God. They would run with God. They would see things happen with God. And then they would turn around and they would tell the next generation, this is possible with God. This is how we experience God. This is who you are. This is the truth. Man, this is what God's capable of. And so it's one generation to the next, not pushing them down, but actually lifting them up. This is what God desires. And so what we see is that humanity functions best when generations link arms and work together. This is why I think the church, the church, not CF, but the church, is really the means for hope in the world. That we give the world a picture of what could be. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, people that are older, people that are younger, people that are wealthy, people that are just struggling to get by, people that have a faith background, people that don't have a faith background, people that have it all together, at least look like it. Come on, somebody say amen to that. And everybody else that's like, wow, I'm just a mess, right? And all of them are invited to the table. Can we just say amen to that? That's the beauty of the church. It gives the world a picture. This is how we're called to live. This is us living higher. This is us having a higher mindset and not giving into the ways of the world and just the systems and the thinking that goes with the world. And what I believe that God has is that God, his hand is on each and every generation for a specific purpose. Every generation has been invited by God to collaborate with him. And so whether you're 60, 70 years old today in the room or whether you're 10, 12, like these little ones over here, Listen, God's hand is upon your life and upon your generation. The last passage I want to look at here is Acts chapter 2, the the story of Pentecost. The Spirit of God falls in the 120 in the upper room. Amazing things are happening. You got the fire that's on them. They're speaking different languages that are known, and and that that busts out of that room, and then it goes outside, and everybody's gathering, and and it's all this commotion's happening, a lot of energy. Maybe they were talking about sides, probably not. They were talking about Jesus, which is even better. We should get more excited about that than sides. Come on, say right, maybe that. But, so they're talking about God and the ways of God, and all these crowds are coming in, and, and they're like, man, these guys, they must be drunk. They must have got into the wine. They must have had a little bit extra. And then Peter gets up and he's like, guys, it's nine in the morning. We're not drunk. What are you talking about? And then he says, actually, what you're seeing is what the prophet Joel said would happen. And then he reads, let me read to this. He says, this is what's uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my flesh or my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And listen to this. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. 
I just want to like show us this. Like this is what happened, and this is what we read in Acts chapter two. What was read about in Joel chapter two is that God desires that the young and the old hear His voice and come into agreement with it. God desires that the person in the room, that if you're 70, 80 years old, that God desires to speak to you. I, I, I'm telling you, he's, he's not done with you yet. But also, as we're going to hear from these younger kids, like, like God is speaking to this next generation, Gen Z and, and even Gen Alpha, that God is speaking. And he wants us to not only hear his voice, but to say, yes, I, I come into agreement with it. I'm going to align with you. I'm going to partner with you. And this is when the church is the best. And from the oldest of old to the youngest of young, say, Lord, what are you saying? We want to know it and we want to say yes. So what do we need? Here's three things we need. We need, first, the wisdom and experience of the older generation. And if, if you've been around for more than maybe, let's say, 50 years, um, listen, you've had life experiences, you've seen things, you've encountered God You've navigated hardship in ways that our younger generations haven't. So we need you to tell stories, to tell stories about how God was faithful, how God has moved in your, how you've seen him, how you've got to know God. Your time with God is more than the younger people's time with God. And so we need you to tell your story about what God, encourage one another. But here's what we don't need. We don't need you to tell the next generation what they can't do because your generation wasn't able to do it. Somebody say amen to that. So if you're an older generation, man, we need your wisdom, but we don't need you telling the next generation, you can't do that because we weren't able to. That, that's not God's desire. Not only do we need the older generation, we need the leadership and capacity of the middle generations. Those that are in their, their prime of their careers, raising families, running hard after their dreams, have influence and have leadership. Listen, the, the church needs you to step up as leaders, to share your capacity in these moments. But what we don't need is we don't need you to criticize and withhold opportunities from younger generations because they're not like you. Yeah. So we need your leadership, we need your capacity, but what we don't need is for you to withhold and criticize the younger generation because they're not like you. We need you to come alongside them, promote, lift up, train them up. And lastly, what we're going to see in just a few minutes is we need the passion and the zeal of the younger generation. <laughs> we need those that are willing to take risks, willing to run hard after the things that God is inviting them, willing to go after dreams, willing to run the race. But at the same time, Kids, listen up. Students, listen up. We need you to run hard. We want you to be zealous. We don't want to squash your, your love for the Lord, your, 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 your passionate worship. We don't want to squash that. But at the same time, what we don't need you is to think that you know it all. Right? And what, what we don't need is for you to reject some of the wisdom of the older generations. What we need is the older generations, the middle generations, and the younger generation coming together arm in arm, saying, Lord, what are you saying? We want to partner with you. Where we're lifting one another, we're honoring one another, both vertically, upward, and also downward, and side to side. This is what the potential is for a family that's God's family, that's generational. So if, soon as, if you guys would make your way up here. What I know about God is that he intends for each generation to ascend beyond the former generation. Let me, let me say that again. God's desire, God's desire 
is for each generation to ascend above and beyond what the former generation. So this is how God works. We're going to start here. Next generation, you're not going to start here. You're going to start on the shoulders of the previous generation. This is God's desire. This is what I want for my kids. How many of you don't want your kids to have to navigate all the negative, hard things that you navigated? How many of you don't want that, right? Like all the lessons you've learned with the Lord, all the hardship, all the the junk you've been through. How many of you don't want your family to have to navigate that, the next generation? You want to learn from your failures. Anybody else besides me? You know what that's called? Generational growth, ascension. This is what God desires. And and I know we have a generation on the earth that is called the greatest generation. And, And I understand why they're called that. And I honor that generation and what they navigated. But here's the thing. It's not biblically accurate. They're not the greatest generation. Because each generation is actually designed to grow beyond the former generations. And here's what I know. There's a generation that's going to be so ready for the return of Jesus that he's excited and ready to come back in. Revelation said that they will be ready, a people that are ready for the return of Jesus. And that'll be a generation, I'm telling you, that's probably greater than any former generation. And so we believe that God has something in store for these students and those that are actually younger, that there's actually greatness that our generations, your generation never experienced. So here's the question I have I want to pose for you as we end of the day and as we get into this, some of these testimonies, is, is how would you speak and treat millennials and Gen Z if you had God's perspective of them? Think about that. I know some of you got coworkers, Millennials and, you know, all the jokes that go around and some Gen Z's are getting to be in the workforce now. Like, like what if we didn't buy into the ways of the world, but what, what, what if we say, God, what's your perspective of Gen Z and millennials? And so today we got some people that are going to share, some, some students. Logan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, man, and then why don't you introduce these two that are going to share a little about their heart, and then we're going to get into some testimonies and, and celebrate some baptism.